Well, good morning, everyone. Oh, we had a new preacher. Give me a few years with him, and we'll see what he can do. Hey, uh, I'm excited about Oregon Family Camp. We have over 100 people who are coming. And, uh, you know, there's sadly some of us aren't able to make it, which is sad. But that means there's a ton of people coming from the East Coast, the Middle Coast, is there such a thing, and this side. So very, very excited about it. And uh, we have a gentleman that's driving from Middle America. We're talking the uh, border of Montana and North Dakota. That's almost halfway. He's driving all the way here, getting here Friday night, preaching Saturday morning, Sunday at noon after the last amen, he's driving all the way back. You know, when you're a rancher, cows don't stop eating. And so uh, he's taking time to come on out. So I'm excited about that. There's men and women are making huge sacrifices. And I want to appeal to you once again. We uh, have uh, the, the camp schedule out there, but we also have a camp uh, work responsibilities. We need some folks to step up at the end for uh, both the lodge, cleaning up the lodge and the cabins and uh, the, the bathhouse and uh, the lodge bathrooms. We look like Matt and Jennifer Keichel are working on the lodge bathrooms. If you want to have a good time laughing all your way while cleaning the, the proverbial royal thrones, uh, hang out with Matt and Jennifer Keikla. But anyway, so last sheet, this is after camp. So I'm going to put it here and just wiggle it around all the way through. If you're not able to do it, I understand it. I, I uh, get that. But if you can, that would be great. Um, I'm bringing a bunch of the folks from out of town with me to set up camp. And uh, so if you can step up and help, that would be awesome. Also, too, um, my son Andrew, working with Melissa Parks, are trying to figure out how to make sure that the people that are jumping on a plane, when they get here, they have sleeping bags and pillows when they get to camp. And so uh, the Compton clan has three extra sleeping bags we purchased last year. I think it was the year before, maybe, for folks coming in. So we have three. We need actually 10 total sleeping bags. Uh, and it sounds like eight pillows. My son, Andrew, working with Melissa, uh, found that out. So if you have uh, an extra sleeping bag that you wouldn't mind uh, not giving but donating to the cause, we'll uh, make sure that we're going to put your name on that sleeping bag and we'll give you all the instructions on how to get that done. But if you wouldn't mind uh, making sure that you bring those sleeping bags here next Sunday, the 19th, uh, that would be fantastic. And uh, we're going to put them in, uh, uh, is it a black bag with the family name on it, who's donating, or, yeah, not donating, uh, lending the sleeping bag for family camp, and we'll get it back to you, or it'll be available to you right after camp, you can pick it up. So, there we go. I'm going to put this over this way, so we can start that way. So, it looks like we have three sleeping bags right now and one pillow. So if you can help out, that would be great. Okay, uh, some other announcements. Uh, everything is as planned. I, I have to confess that uh, haste makes waste. That's a Bible verse. And I handed out that, that calendar because it was so pretty last week, all color coordinated, and every single time was wrong. And uh, I, you know, haste makes waste. You reached back a year ago and try to take last year's times and put it in. It doesn't work very well. So embarrassed as all get out. Uh, 
So uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, I, I was people shared with me other things that were messed up with the calendar. It was like, ah! So the only thing nice about that calendar was the picture of Mount Hood and the colors came. So uh, I emailed, <laughs> I'm confessing the whole world, man, this is great. So, uh, but I did email it out to everybody. And so next Sunday is big Sunday. We're bringing our sleeping bags that are gonna be lent to those who are coming flying uh, into town. And uh, also too, we're gonna do a potluck uh, which is going to be kind of fun. I love uh, family fellowship dinners, so we're going to do that. There's several people that have plans uh, to do that, so uh, we'll have that. Should be several people. Uh, somebody's all already volunteered, and I know he can single-handedly cut all of those logs and stack them in the trailer by himself in about three hours, but I don't want him to do that. Right, Brian? Okay, so... Uh, for those of you who would like to help with uh, the logs out there, that'd be great. But we're going to be cleaning upstairs a little bit. We're going to be cleaning outside a little bit. Some folks have said they're going to try and tackle the, the kitchen to make it ready for whatever may come. That's exciting too. So I will get that list out to you so that you can be prepared. So please forgive me for all of the, the misdirection and misunderstanding. I hope it didn't cause too much of a heartache. Uh, besides which, I mean, I don't know. Some of us wanted to watch the Super Bowl. I'm not sure even who's playing, but I know it's happening. Somebody told me last week, oh, the Super Bowl's happening. And so who's playing? I have no idea. Uh, two NFL teams. Yeah. And so one from one side and one from their, their fighting. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> because we have some great and awesome... Uh, uh, announcements or uh, words of encouragement, but I want to encourage you to wish Kirk a happy birthday. He, uh, how old are you now, Kirk? Right now? No, no, uh, this Thursday, after you turn the next... 58, what a great... Give that up for the 58-year-old. Woo! Almost. He's right on the cusp. Woo! What a youngster. Yes, for some of us, it is true. Yes, okay. So, uh, still got lots of hair, Kirk. And you're looking really good, man. I'm telling you what, you look like a preacher or something. Look at me. Ah. All right, Mr. Parks. Oh, look, right here, Mr. Parks. This is for you. Mr. Parks, your message was awesome. Thank you for stepping up for prayer, by the way. Let's give it up for Mr. Parks. Preacher at the Alvador Christian Church. Tanya Viegas, it's so good to see your beautiful smile here today with a big heart. Let's give it up for Tanya. Right there in the yellow, right down there, okay. Sharon, thank you for blessing all of us with your culinary skills, especially the delightful meals you cook for college age every Monday night so faithfully. Uh, you are a magic Oh, you are a magic fairy in the kitchen. Thank you for always sharing. So we have blue jean angels and kitchen magic fairies now here at Pleasant Hill. Wow. There you go. Give it up for Sharon. You know, talking about Mr. Parks once again, I wish I had his metabolism. My wife gives him a birthday present from her kitchen every month of the year. And every time she does... I'm tortured because of smells and the looks, and I kind of have to almost sneak them, but I am trying to be self-controlled. Thank you for helping with my self-control, honey. All right, 
Scott and Miriam, thank you for your love and kindness, sharing yourselves in so many ways. Can I get an amen on that one? Man. Yeah, right there. Right there. All right, here we go. Bill, Ryan, and Jake, who's absent, but will be preaching tonight at the, the Parks Place. Thank you so much for always taking time to come out early to start a fire and keeping it stoked. Amen. Let's give it up to Ron, for Ryan and for Jake. And uh, I did it this morning and it got cold in here. So there you go. Brian. Here we go. Brian, thank you so much for that awesome, encouraging lesson. It was much needed. Give it up for Brian Bright. For, for those of you who don't know, Brian is ordained as an evangelist. And so, man, I'm telling you, when he gets his preach on, it's pretty awesome. And uh, I'm just listening, 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 and I always get a zinger every once in a while, like every time he opens his mouth. So thank you, Brian. Now, I have two handsome young men back there. Ty, can I, right here, Ty, Braxton. Oh, here you are, 58 years old almost, and I forgot to sing happy birthday. So now if I were 58, I would have remembered. All right, here we go. Let's give it up for Kurt. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. Woo! You know, I got to share with you, Kirk, real quickly, that God must really favor you because he waited till Moses was 80 before he started his ministry of leading the people of Israel. Here you are, 58, and look at you. Man, praise God. All right, now. This is a very important sheet that you need to have with this morning's lesson. It's basically quotes from a, a gentleman by the na name of Johann Kepler and then quotes by Sir Isaac Newton. You need one, at least one, per family. Did you? If you didn't get one, raise your hand, please. All right, there, 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 there. Two for this sweet, wonderful family right here. Over here, Ty, over here, we got some. There's a couple for... There you go, there you go, and Kevin needs one, anybody else need one? Over there, good, excellent, all right, oh, somebody right there, smack dab in the middle, Jeff, right there in the middle, Jeff, there you go, good, okay, wonderful, okay, we have some extra copies, that's great. Thank you for all joining, you have those, those uh, uh, quotes there, they're powerful, powerful, powerful in regards to the fear of God. Men who feared God and changed the world. In fact, the things that you experience almost every day are based upon what they discovered in regards to amazing God's amazing creation. And so thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate that very much. Let's begin this morning with a word of prayer, and then we're going to turn to Proverbs. Holy Father, we are deeply thankful that you, in your great wisdom, sent your son into the world to be the savior of the world. But the world must first bow the knee and confess him and receive him and respond to him as Lord, as the only true sovereign, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him by you, Holy Father. He is the one in whom we must bow the knee 
and in great love and adoration, worship and serve with a yielded heart as was spoken this morning during the uh, communion time. Lord God in heaven, I pray that you would help us to realize that the fear of you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is that which allows us to live not like mere mortal men, but as the sons and daughters of light as we are. And I would pray to your Heavenly Father that you would help us to see how that works. It's one thing to hear it, but it's another to understand it and apply it. And so I would pray this morning for that very thing. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. I have to be honest with you, these two scriptures I have not understood, but I am beginning to understand them now. The book of Proverbs in chapter 1 and verse 7. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. That's a whole package right there because knowledge brings about wisdom and wisdom is a part of the beginning part of the fear of God. Turn with me also to the book of Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10. And again, a very powerful passage of scripture about the fear of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The word wisdom here is a powerful word that is used consistently in the Old Testament, almost predominantly the Old Testament. And then, of course, you have knowledge. Both of these words, knowledge, by the way, in verse 7 of chapter 1 and, and verse 10 of 9, same exact word. Now, I'm excited that you're looking at your quotes, but you won't understand fully the power of the quote until you realize what the fear of God is and what knowledge is. So I would pray that you wait just a moment in those and then jump into the first point, the fear of the Lord reviewed. The fear of the Lord reviewed. This word fear is not to tremble in anxiety or to tremble in, in terror. Unless, of course, you're not living according to the will of God. That was a great lesson this morning, by the way, Brian. Uh, man, that, that in the center of God's will should our will be in order to receive that mercy. And so I, I appreciate that. Reverential fear. <laughs> Brian was asking this morning if you remembered what I preached last week. And I had to go back and review what I preached last week to be able to preach my first point today. But the exciting thing is, is when you study reverential fear, the fear of the Lord, most more consistently than not, is reverential fear. Now, what does that actually mean? As we looked at last week, it actually means to, to be in such awe of his greatness, which is really unfathomable, the unfathomable riches of Christ and the knowledge of God, which actually is spoken in more than one place, is beyond our full comprehension. Yes, we are to call to study the word of God every day, study it, not just read it, study it and apply it. But it will help us to understand 
who God is. There is a book that I was given when I was younger called Knowing God. And I could not understand it. And I'm glad I didn't read that book because that guy had a weird, wonky understanding of God because it came from a weird, strange Calvinistic perspective. But coming to an understanding of the fear of God is to understand who God is. And to understand who he is is to understand who he's called us to be. And so the fear of God is the awe of his greatness. And I want you to take a look and think about this for just a moment. We have not yet found the end of the cosmos. All that is created by God has a limit. And we have not yet found the limit to the end of the cosmos. It wasn't too many years ago that we put an amazing telescope out in space, so it was not limited by the Earth's atmosphere. And we discovered that what we thought was the end is not even the end. It still continues. We can't even fathom how far it goes yet because we haven't reached it with our telescopes yet. But God created us and placed us in the cosmos in the Milky Way where we could actually look out. So many places in the Milky Way, we would not be able to exist, nor could we look out into the universe and see his amazing creation. But I'll share with you the greatness of God. We have not yet fully understood what we would call nanotechnology in the cell. Nanotechnology is the, the micro smallest aspects of the cell and they're finding that they haven't yet discovered it all. So we go from the furthest reaches of the universe to the innermost working of the cell, the atom. We don't still fully understand. I don't know about you, but that is messes with my brain that we haven't reached out. But you know, we don't think about that. In fact, we're not being taught to think about that kind of thing. And so when we talk about the awe, it's this overwhelming presence of a being that is present everywhere all the time, eternity past, eternity future, and in the present. A being that knows all things, eternity past, eternity uh, or present, and eternity future. A being that is all-powerful and nothing is impossible for him. See, we can't get our mind around that, but that's who he is. And I'm going to go one step further. The fullness of deity dwells in your body and my body. The fullness of deity dwells in your body and my body. Can you wrap your mind around that? He is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think through this body. If we can get a hold of just a little bit of that, Lord, I believe, help me with my unbelief. Because the kind of people that we would become would be those people who are unstoppable. You can't shut us up. You can't shut us down. You can't stop us. That's what the awe, the fear of God, the awe of God and his greatness will do for us. But we need to understand it's even greater than that. The fear of God, the holy fear of God is the relational awe between a child and his father. Now the sad thing is, as I shared with you last week, is that I had a very 
sad ex, uh, example of who a father should be. And sadly, because my father didn't have any opportunity to see what a real father looked like. His dad left when he was eight years old. He beat his son. That was my dad. And then he left at eight years old. And then at 14, my grandmother kicked him out of the house. He had no men to give him any kind of example. My dad did pretty good. He instilled a work ethic in me. But there was so much lacking, as you well know, from those who heard the love series many years ago. So for me to stand in awe of a God who knows me and loves me so much that he was willing to destroy his son on the cross so that he would pay the price in perfect justice, I can't understand that kind of love. I can't understand that kind of God, but that's the kind of God, that's the kind of father that you and I have. And we need to learn about him. We need to know him so that we know that if we fall short, he still loves us and desires us and is beckoning us back home. Without that kind of awe, without that kind of, of reverence for his divine nature and the infinite greatness of it, to understand he is perfect and desires us oftentimes and sadly more than we desire him, produces us a desire to work harder out of faith because as our faith grows, we want to work harder, not because we want to get to heaven, because he already secured that for us, because of what he's done for us, for who he is for us. I serve my dad out of fear of the belt, not out of devotion, because I knew he loved me more than anyone or anything. But that's how God is. And we have a hard time understanding that. Why? Because our earthly fathers, though many of our fathers tried, and I tried, I know I failed with my sons a lot, but I tried, I tried, I tried. Never could I be as great as, of course, our Heavenly Father. That's why we need to walk by faith. The Word of God is what's going to give us the right picture of who He is. If we don't study, if we don't come to know Him, we will not fear Him with that reverential fear. And it will be only a terror of not making the grade. And if that's how you think, you still do not understand the fear of God in the reverent awe and adoration of him who has given all for you. That is really the beginning of knowledge and the beginning of wisdom. Now let's quickly look at the beginning of knowledge. The word beginning there, and I hope that you remember this and maybe take a note or two because we're going to need to use it next week. Take a look. The beginning of knowledge, Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7 that word beginning is resheth that means the first in place, time, order, or rank. In Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, same exact word, God created. In the beginning, at the very start, at the very beginning, he laid the foundation 
for the physical universe. Nothingness on day one. It created the plan of salvation. Nothing physical, only the plan of salvation. That's what happened on day one. Now, I've shared that before and many preachers have looked at me with a wrinkled nose. What? And then as we've sat down and looked at the scriptures, they go, oh my. I was sharing that this morning with our two Belarusian sisters in Christ and it was exciting and fun. So we talked about the great plan of salvation on day one. Day two is when he laid out that physical foundation. But the beginning means first. Now, I have to share with you that the definition for beginning in regards to the knowledge of God is a little different. The first chief or principal thing. What drives our knowledge? What does the Bible say? The beginning of knowledge is reverence for God. What drives our true knowledge? It should be our reverence for God. If you don't revere God, if you don't believe he knows all things and he's given us all things to know about truth, then you're going to take whatever comes your way. Oh, that sounds good. You're not going to go, no, I'm holding out for God's truth. The chief or principal thing is the reverential fear of the Lord in order that you may understand true knowledge and understanding of truth and reality. They're indoctrinating kids in the government schools these days. They're not giving them truth. They're indoctrinating them out of understanding math. They're indoctrinating them out of understanding a true language and, and, and they're trying to steal from them the substructure for faith as you are about to see. Now I want to take a look here at the word knowledge. If you turn uh, your, it's at the very bottom, excuse me, the beginning and then on the back of the page, knowledge. That word knowledge, by the way, is used throughout the Old Testament and I want you to check me out on this one. It means to come to know and understand by careful observation, contemplation, reasoning, and then recognition. To come to know and understand by careful observation, contemplation, reasoning, and then recognizing truth. That's huge. Could you put down Psalms 19, verses 1 and 2. Psalms 19, verses 1 and 2. Actually, 1, two, one through 4 is great. We read it this morning. Talks about how the, the glory of God is communicated through the stars. The stars communicate God's glory. They're saying, how so? Well, we're going to see in just a moment. There are some people that actually believe that. If you don't believe in God, you don't believe the stars communicate anything. They're a horoscope. I know my future when my stars align. No, that's not true. God created all of the stars and he set them in this beautiful, perfect order and motion so that we could understand him. 
Notice there's another statement about the knowledge. I hope you got that first one down. To come to know and understand by careful observation, contemplation, reasoning, and recognition. But it also means to perceive and understand truth through prognosis. It's not procrastination, it's prognosis. What's prognosis mean? I wondered what that meant. To receive sound judgment by observing consistent patterns or order that are unchanging. Look it up. Look it up. Prognosis. To receive sound judgment by observing consistent patterns or order that are unchanging. Now, anybody know who Kepler is? Anybody know who? Johann Kepler is, if you don't, the government schools have done an effective job in keeping you from faith. Maybe do yourself a little homework. Google Johann Kepler, John Kepler. NASA still today in designing their, their manned Mars mission, they're working on it right now, are using that which Johann Kepler discovered in planetary rotation around the sun. And he came to discover three laws of planetary movement or motion. And you want to know how he did it? Without a computer. It's all mathematical. Everything is mathematical. You're saying, well, you just lost me. And I really tremble to tell you, and this is kind of trembling in fear, I tremble to tell you that it's geometry. Oh, no. <laughs> Look at the faces. Uh, Ellie, I feel your pain. <laughs> I could not be this guy, but God created this guy, and he had a heart of faith, and he was in awe of God knowing what the scripture said that the stars and the planets give glory to God. They manifest his magnificent character. God is Logos. In the beginning was the Logos of God. And the Logos was God, the word, the logic of truth is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ created the universe. And let's read about this Johann Kepler. This is what he said in his own words. And I want you to take a look. Find out this guy was back in the 1700s, 1600s, 1700s. No calculators. He did all the math in his head. That's crazy, isn't it? Man, this is geometry in your head. The chief aim of all investigations of the external world should be to discover the rational order and harmony which has been imposed on it by God and which he, God, revealed to us in the language of, sorry, it's his quote, not mine, mathematics. <laughs> Wait till you Google it and find out what the three laws of planetary motion are. And you're going to open it and you look at it and you're going to go, oh. Just know that it all works. When they landed people on the moon, they didn't shoot the rocket towards the moon. They shot it towards where the moon was going to be 
four days after leaving Earth. How'd they know? They're shooting in empty space. That when they got there, the moon would go, and they would collide. It's because of Elon Kepler. I'm not lying to you. All of NASA still uses his math. Of course, they use computers now, thank goodness. But look at the next statement, and we're going to finish with this statement, and then we're going to look at Isaac Newton. You can read the other ones. It is right, yes, a duty to search in cautious manner for the numbers, sizes, weights, and the norms of everything God has created, which is everything. For he himself has let man take part in the knowledge of these things. Why, we're created in his image, we're his children. Of course he wants to take part in these things. For these secrets are not of the kind whose research should be forbidden, heaven forbid, unless you're in a government school. Rather, they are set before our eyes like a mirror so that by examining them, all of these wonderful, amazing truths of the planets, we observe uh, to some extent the goodness and the wisdom of the Creator. Now, some of you might be lost already. The reality is, is that everything was created for a purpose. Everything was created perfectly as God designed it to fulfill its purpose, including you. How many agree that gravity is a really cool thing? Especially when you're moving downhill instead of uphill. I don't know about you, but I love gravity only half of the time. Okay? But it's an immutable law. It's not one that was created by Sir Isaac Newton. Sir Isaac Newton didn't create the law of gravity. God created the law of gravity, and he discovered it. I mean, for ages, I'm sure, what in the world is going on? I just can't keep that up in the air. I don't understand. Well, Sir Isaac Newton. And it wasn't an apple that fell and knocked him on the head that caused him to want to know what gravity was. He was actually looking for it before. All right? That's a cool kid's story, but... Oh, on the back. Sir Isaac Newton. Gravity explains the motions of the planets, but it cannot explain who set the planets in motion. It does describe one who did set the planets in motion. Look at the next thing. The heavenly master governs all the world as sovereign of the universe. We are not astonished at him by reason of his perfection. We are, we are astonished by him uh, by the reason of his perfection. We honor him and fall down before him because of his unlimited power from blind physical necessity, which is always and everywhere the same. No variety adhering to time and place could evolve and all variety of created objects which represent order and life in the universe could happen only by the willful reasoning of its original creator, whom I call the Lord God. This man feared God with reverence. Everything he saw in the universe he knew God created. Now here's the rub, and I want to close with this and we'll finish up next week. I need a little bit more time. Here's the rub. You see that Ellie down there, that sweet little gal? Okay. Because when, when I talked about geometry and mathematics, you winced. But you know what? When I talk about geometry and thinking I'm going to do it, you know what I do? Wince. Okay. He created you unique and distinct. 
He knew you before the foundation of the world. And he goes, I'm going to create this very sweet and awesome, beautiful young woman who's going to change the world. And her mom and dad are going to pick the name Ellie. I know. Why? Because he's omniscient. He knows everything. Well, first I got to create her mom and dad. But I'm going to do that too. And they're going to be really awesome, special, unique, unlike any other. Infinitely valuable, infinitely powerful. Because I created them for a distinct purpose. That's you. That's you, my dear. That's me. You know, I was looking in the mirror this morning and I go, man, I'm getting more age spots. By God's design. I'm not sure what they mean. Except that my mom was this beautiful Latina woman. And so I have more pigment, pigment, and so I have more A-spots. But there's got to be some meaning to it. I know. God just doesn't do anything random. I think they're beautiful, actually. Other people go, oh, you got to buy cream. I don't have any hair. Oh, you need to go use Rogaine. No, I don't need cream or Rogaine. I'm fine. You got wrinkles. Yep, they're designed right in. This package is God's, and he's using it the way he wants. Have you ever noticed you don't look at the physical outward appearance once you know somebody loves you and cares about you and is sweet? And sometimes spicy? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I mean, you don't recognize the outward person because you really just love them. It doesn't matter what they look like. It's who they are. God created who you are. You're unique. You're special. You're awesome. And you are going to touch the lives of others if you understand the awe and the adoration of a God who loves you more than you love yourself. Now, where does this wisdom come in? Stay tuned next week. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. It's just like I got really moved by an understanding of your love for me. Now, I'm really getting moved by how great you are. And how great you have made all things. And the devil wants me not to believe that I'm one of those amazing, awesome beings created in your image to serve you. How easy it is for for Satan to doubt this truth. Father, I pray that you would help me, help us fully understand who you are as a heavenly father unlike any other, an amazing husband unlike any other, an awesome big brother like no other, that we would in absolute awe and adoration and love humbly serve you out of devotion and continue to excel still more and more, not working harder but believing better so that our works manifest our love for you. Father, I pray that you would help us to come to understanding. I've asked the men at family camp to speak in a sequential order, finishing up with faith working through love. Steve Doty talking about the transcendent faith and Phil Sutton talking about that amazing, awesome love like no other, your love. 
Help us to understand these things, Lord God, and help us to fear you as you have called us to, because we know perfect love will cast out all the fears of man. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you for being here. Let's get up. Let's get all excited. What did Jesus say to do? He said to go. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is still the king of kings. King of kings. All right, we will see you next week, Lord willing. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.